This is Persuasion in Business, hosted by me, Dr. Mindy Weinstein. I'm a marketing researcher, the author of The Power of Scarcity, a professor, and a marketer myself. In this podcast, you'll discover practical tools based on psychology you can use to improve your business, sales, and career today. No one likes to lose, whether that's losing a game or losing a chance to buy something. Fear of loss is a big deal. In today's Persuasion and Business episode, we are going to discover just how strong loss aversion can be. Why would someone sign up for a service that they know they don't need or won't use? Well, today I have your answer. In this episode of Persuasion in Business, we are covering the psychology of loss aversion and what that means to you professionally. Let me tell you a story about my friend Carrie. Carrie, she's a busy mother. She has three boys with ages ranging from 8 to 14, and she also works full-time. That means she doesn't have a lot of free time in her day, but she is big into fitness and health, and she makes it a goal to incorporate exercise into her daily routine. She has a little makeshift gym in her house, and she makes it very convenient just to work out. All she has to do is walk into the other room and all her equipment is there. Carrie is religious about her routine. She has just enough time each day to fit in a workout before helping her boys get ready for school. And if you've ever had to help kids get out the door before school, that is hectic. So the fact that she can fit her workout in before that is very impressive in my opinion. Now, one afternoon, she was telling me that she'd gone to coffee with a friend and her friend was mentioning a cycling studio that she'd been going to. She raved about the classes and how like intense it was and she felt like she was just getting into great shape and she talked Carrie into going with her. So Carrie said, okay, fine, I'll go um, on a Saturday morning when I don't have a sporting event for one of my boys. And so she was able to find some time. So she showed up at the studio got on her bike, pedaled away for 45 minutes straight, and the time went by quickly. Carrie was able to keep up with the instructor. She actually really loved the class. She thought it was fun. She liked the vibe. She loved the music. It was really loud. There was so much energy. There was all these neon lights. It really was motivating, in her words. Now, while she was in the class pedaling away, she noticed that there was a large sign that listed a current promotion. And that sign also mentioned that that promotion ended in two weeks. Now, normally, classes at the studio cost $25. So each time you want to go, $25. But this current promotion had a really good deal. You could purchase a block of five classes for $59 or 10 classes for $89. Plus, if you purchase that weekend, you would get a bonus. You'd get three more classes. And as Carrie was sweating and pedaling, she was doing the mental math. If she bought five classes with the three extra promotion, each class would cost her a little over $7. If she bought the 10 class bundle that also included those three extra classes, it would cost her about $6.85. So there's no question that the price was a great, great deal compared to the normal price of $25. 
Now, Carrie told me that she spent a good portion of the cycling class doing that math and debating about what to do. She was asking herself, like, who knows if this deal will come again? What if I don't get a chance to get that huge savings? If Carrie didn't buy the bundle, she could lose out on a potential 73% savings per class. Now, by the time the class was over, Carrie determined she would regret missing out on the savings, so she bought the 10-class bundle. Here's the issue, though, and this is one that Carrie didn't consider. She was more focused on the fear of loss than she was on other decision-making factors. The stipulation was that the classes had to be used within a four-week time period, and given Carrie's hectic schedule, it would be really hard to attend that many classes, all 10 within four weeks. And that's what happened. So as she told me over the course of the month, she only made it to about four classes. That came out to $25 a class. Back to the original amount, had there not been the promotion and everything that she jumped on. So at the end, she really didn't get a deal after all. But her fear of loss superseded everything else and it caused her to make the decision to purchase the 10 classes. This has a name. It's called loss aversion. And businesses, they use it. Businesses use fear of loss to their advantage by showing future prices and soon-to-expire promotions and coupons. You're probably exposed to it more than you realize. Now, in the scenario of Carrie, and really any scenario where a fear of loss is going to drive our decisions, there are multiple principles in action that we need to understand. Number one, we have a natural aversion to loss. Number two, the way the message is framed matters. And number three, this regret, it's stronger in the short term than the long term. Let me get into the first point. We have a natural aversion to loss. One of the greatest American tennis players in the 70s, whose name is Jimmy Connors, had a streak where he was the number one player for 268 weeks straight. He was known for being determined on the court and he just wouldn't quit. He was just a phenomenal athlete. And when he was asked what motivated him to perform at that level, he had the best answer. I hate to lose more than I love to win. Isn't that most of us? Think about it this way. You would be more upset if you lost a $20 bill than you would be excited to find a $20 bill. What? That sounds so strange. But I can imagine that you can recall at least one time that you misplaced, whether it was a $20 bill, a $5 bill, whatever it might be, and it's the worst feeling. And while you might be excited to find money, that's the best when you reach into your pocket and you pull out a $20 bill, that excitement's not going to be at the same level as how upset you would feel had you lost money. Loss aversion is part of a wider psychological concept known as prospect theory. And this theory explains that we feel greater pain when we lose something than we feel happiness for gaining the same thing. And I'm going to just give you a heads up I'm going to repeat that multiple times in this episode because I really want it to sink in. This loss aversion, it plays out in a lot of settings. And the workplace plays out with employers motivating their employees. And commerce with brands motivating their consumers. 
even with parents motivating their children. Hey, if you don't take out the trash like I told you to, I'm taking away your phone. (laughs) That's loss aversion. Travel sites do this all the time, actually. If you search for a Phoenix hotel on booking.com, several of the hotel listings will include the number of rooms left. So you better book soon. In a subtle way, or actually maybe not so subtle way, those type of travel sites, what they're telling you is that if you don't book now, you could lose. The best choices, they'll be gone. We are more motivated to avoid the pain of a loss than we are to pursue the happiness of a similar gain. Insurance companies know this. They're actually really great at incorporating loss inversion into their marketing messages. They typically highlight what would happen if you faced a situation without insurance. Just think about the Mayhem commercials by Allstate. If you haven't seen one of these commercials, Mayhem is actually an actor. So he is a person and he plays, just as it's described, Mayhem. He shows all the things that can go wrong. So in one commercial, Mayhem is seen pedaling on a stationary exercise bike. And this came out during the huge exercise bike craze. And in the commercial, he says, I'm a fancy exercise bike newbie, and I've gone from zero to obsessed in like three days. He says this pretty arrogantly as he's like feverishly pedaling on the bike. And the bike might not be a Peloton, but it really looked like one. Then he says, after riding 20 miles to nowhere, I'm taking a detour right as he falls out a glass door. You then hear a voiceover explaining that Allstate Home Insurance can protect consumers from such mayhem. What does Allstate want you to do? Avoid such losses by buying their insurance? Back to the prospect theory. This theory predicts that because of the tendency towards loss aversion, we well associate greater psychological discomfort with losses than pleasure with gains. From a business perspective, our customers will assign values to the anticipated gains of buying and anticipated losses of not buying. And they're actually going to react more strongly to those anticipated losses. What does this look like exactly? Well, it looks very much like the example I gave you of Carrie in her cycling class. What if she decided after the two-week promotional period to then sign up for a membership? At the time she was making her decision, this is the type of question she would have been asking herself. So she would have been thinking about the anticipated loss. If she didn't sign up now and decided to sign up later, in her mind, that would cost her more money than if she signed up when the promotion was in place. Even once we make a purchase decision, we often compare the actual outcome with what it could have been if we chose differently. That's often why many companies will show the regular price after the discount period has ended. And we see that all the time. Saw it with Carrie. Carrie was persuaded by this approach. And researchers, they describe this as a use it or lose it threat. So promotions, especially those with time limits, fall within this category. They actually pose this threat. If I don't take advantage of this promotion during this time period, I'm gonna really experience loss. Now let's imagine a scenario where you are experiencing this. And maybe it's something you actually did experience. So let's say that you're considering attending a conference. So conference within your industry, you've been thinking about it, but let's say that the ticket to attend is a little pricey. Now what that conference might do 
as they might send email reminders letting you know about early bird pricing. Now, a lot of times what they'll do with the early bird pricing is making a point to show you what the ticket will cost you if you don't buy within that time period. Now you're in a situation, what are you gonna do? If you don't buy your ticket now, you're going to lose. You're gonna lose that early bird pricing. Ouch, sometimes that hurts. You might be thinking that loss aversion sounds very similar to another concept known as FOMO or fear of missing out because it really is similar. In a previous podcast episode, I actually talked about how FOMO is big in scarcity marketing. But let's get into it a little bit here too because it is so closely related to loss aversion. There was one study that looked into FOMO and how it impacted purchase decisions, and the research involved about 300 people. Now, all participants were presented with this message. Assume you like music. Someone posted on social media that several artists will come to your area in a few months for several concert dates. The prices are typical of concerts in your area. You feel you would probably enjoy going to a concert. You have to decide whether or not to buy a ticket and go to a concert. So that was the scenario they were faced with. Now, the participants were shown a message that really pushed FOMO and one that didn't. So here was the FOMO message. Your friends just added posts on social media with photos and videos about the artist and how much fun the concert will be. You think you'll miss out if you don't go with them. Now, here was the message without FOMO. Your friends haven't mentioned this and haven't posted any photos or videos or shown any interest on social media about the concert, so you're not sure if it would be fun. You don't think you'll miss out if you don't go. Not surprisingly, the study found that the FOMO message, talking about your friends, talking about people posting about attending this conference, increased the likelihood to purchase. And it was out of fear, fear of loss, a loss of opportunity. The researchers of this particular study had a really great suggestion. They suggested that businesses could also use existing customers to pass along a FOMO message. For instance, they might say, tell your friends to join if they don't want to miss out. It's a little bit more personal type of message when it comes from your friends, and it can boost sales. If you are going to consider using messages that focus on loss aversion or FOMO, you should also weave in anticipated emotions. So what might someone experience if they did buy your product or your service? Would they be happy? Would they be excited? Would this enhance their lives in some way, whether that's their business lives or personal lives? So having that in there is going to make it even stronger. Here's another example of fear of loss, but with a twist. Citibank took an interesting twist on the FOMO approach. So they had an ad that was showcasing their credit card. And what they did in this particular ad is they showed customers how they could overcome FOMO. And how they could overcome FOMO was by using their credit card to make the purchase. So enjoy now and pay later. The whole idea was that the customer wouldn't have to avoid not making the purchase because they can make it right now with their city credit card. On a side note, that's something we're seeing a lot today. And that's the buy now, pay later option. There's a lot of companies that are offering the service, PayPal, Afterpay, Affirm. And the reason these services are so successful is the whole loss aversion. People want to be able to take 
advantage of a purchase now versus having to wait because what if they miss that opportunity or lose that chance? Even retailers are on board with the whole buy now, pay later option. Target's doing it, Walmart, Best Buy, Dillard's, Neiman Marcus. I could go on and on and on. But it really goes with the whole concept that we're talking about of loss aversion and FOMO. It's just so interesting that there is now a complete industry that helps us overcome our loss aversion, at least in the retail sense. Okay, let's continue to the next psychological principle. Framing the message matters. Under the same prospect theory that I was describing that gets into loss aversion, framing is also discussed. We make decisions based on the potential value of losses and gains, which extends to the framing of a situation. In other words, the way in which a message is framed can activate our aversion to loss. Framing an incentive as a loss can actually be a bigger motivator than framing the incentive as a gain. Let me tell you about a study that illustrates this idea. Some marketing professors got together, and I know what you might be thinking, if you already know that I am a marketing professor, no, I was not one of these marketing professors. But anyway, let's get back to my story. So these marketing professors got together and they decided that they were going to test how students would respond to extra credit. And actually, this is proof that I wasn't one of these professors because I don't do extra credit. Yeah, I know I probably just sound like a mean, old, cranky professor at this part. But we'll continue on. The professors used two different classes to see the response to how the extra credit was framed. In both classes, students would be given pop quizzes on the assigned readings. These quizzes were optional. If they chose to take a quiz and they answered it correctly, they would earn a point. If they collected five points over the course of the semester, they'd be able to opt out of the final exam if they wanted. Okay, that's a huge, huge incentive for students. But the professors also knew that they had to dissuade students from just guessing on the quiz. So here's what they did. If the students took a quiz and answered it incorrectly, they would actually lose a point and fall behind on their efforts to get those five points that they needed to opt out of the exam. In the first class, there was a syllabus that was given, and it explained that the final exam was required, but students could earn the right to not take it if they earned five points from the quizzes. And that's actually the pretty typical way of how you would explain an extra credit incentive. The second class was different, though. That syllabus explained that the final exam was optional, but students could lose that right if they did not get five points from the quizzes. Really, students were required to do the same thing. It was the same goal. They had to receive five points from the quizzes, and the reward was the same. They wouldn't have to take the final exam. However, the way that that first syllabus read, the extra credit was a potential gain, something they had to earn. The second syllabus was framed as a potential loss. Students would lose the right to the optional final. Wondering which approach was more successful? Well, at this point, you probably guessed it because we're talking about loss aversion. It was the second syllabus. The message that was framed as the extra credit being a loss. More students who received the syllabus that framed the extra credit as a potential loss were successful at getting their reward, meaning that they got their five quiz points and they were able to opt out of the final. But this was really interesting. Not only did more students achieve the goal of passing those five quizzes, but the average number of quizzes taken and passed by students who viewed the extra credit as a potential loss was higher. 
than the students who viewed it as a potential gain. And why would that be? It's because having ownership of the right to an optional final made those students perceive it as more valuable than students who didn't have it yet. Therefore, it increased their motivation to do what was necessary to not lose that option. Businesses that are effective at capitalizing on fear of loss understand that it all comes down to how you spin it. They have to correctly frame the purchase scenario. And you can see this especially on Black Friday ads. Let's take Target as an example. They might have their circular for Black Friday that talks about the early times you can come and from 6 a.m. to 11 a.m., these are the prices. What they'll often do in those ads is they will have that discounted price and they'll compare it to the regular price, which means this price could be yours, but you could lose it and this is what you'd have to pay. It creates that signal to buyers. If you don't shop during the sale, you're just going to miss out. Providing coupons for future purchases is great when it comes to the ownership idea. And I think Kohl's is really good at this. If you've ever shopped at Kohl's during one of the promotions where you could earn Kohl's cash, you know that if you spend a certain amount of money, you will get a certain amount of cash that you can use at Kohl's at a future date. That's the important part, a future date. So now you have this Kohl's cash. It was given to you. You own this Kohl's cash. It's great. But if you don't use it within that time period, you lose. And I'll just be a little candid. That happens to me often. I'll have my Kohl's cash and I forget and I miss the window. And I'll tell you, it hurts. I missed out on my $20 that I could have used at Kohl's. And it's because it is framed as a loss. So it's an effective way for businesses to bring in customers, but it's better to do that future purchase, even more so than an immediate coupon or promo. Okay, time to get into our last principle. And that's that regret is stronger in the short term. And this is important to know if you decide to go down the route of framing a message in such a way that it shows loss aversion. Just know that the reaction you're going to get and that regret someone might feel, it's not going to continue for the long term. Our anticipation of regret for missing the opportunity for saving money, it is why we shop during Black Friday and in general buy things we don't want or need. But as I've already said, this regret is stronger in the short term. Regret happens when we compare our current choice or action to the alternative. We might blame ourselves. We might regret not buying that conference ticket when we could get the early bird pricing. We might regret not taking advantage of a certain promotion because it doesn't come back. We start to blame ourselves for not taking action. But again, that blame and that regret, it's not going to last. And there was a study that was done that really illustrates this. So this study involved a group of travelers that were on a South African cruise. They were each given a diary at the beginning of the cruise, and they were told by researchers that they were studying satisfaction with items purchased on vacation. But that's not really what they were studying. What they were looking at was regret. So each day, the tourists were to write down all the items they purchased or thought about purchasing but didn't. These items had to be things that they would keep for themselves, so not things that they would bring back as gifts for their friends or loved ones. 
They were also instructed to rate their satisfaction, happiness and regret with each item using a scale. So they had a questionnaire basically that they were filling out. Three months after the cruise, the participants were sent a follow-up survey about the items they purchased. They were asked to rate each item using the same system as before. And the researchers discovered something very interesting. In the short term, participants regretted not purchasing more than they did purchasing. Meaning, even if they had an impulse purchase, it wasn't something they necessarily regretted. They had more regret for what they didn't buy. But that does make sense. If you're traveling and you're considering purchasing something, well, the thing is you're not going to be in that location again, at least not anytime soon, to go back and purchase that item that you decided not to. So you might have some regret wishing you had made the purchase when you had the chance. What those researchers determined was that right after a limited purchase opportunity, those who chose not to purchase experienced greater regret than those who did buy. But that wasn't the case three months later. Those people weren't regretting their inaction. They weren't regretting not buying something. They had moved on. So this study suggests that our regret is going to be immediate in the beginning, but it's going to fizzle out over time. So how does this all work? We need to get into a little bit more practical application here. But the first thing is recognize that your customers or clients, they have an aversion to loss, just like we all do. And I have an example of this. A couple years ago, I was speaking at a digital marketing conference and I inadvertently used aversion to loss. I was talking in this particular session of about two to 300 people, I was talking about building your online presence. And as I was talking about that, you know, I gave different tips on how to attract the right people to your website and all of that. But then for some reason, I went on a tangent about if you're in the process of redesigning your website. And honestly, I don't even remember why I did that. But I started talking about the risks involved with redesigning your website. And while it's a great thing to do, there is a risk involved. And I went into that. And then I think I even ended with, so if you are currently in the process of redesigning your website, you know, be really careful and best of luck. So all of a sudden, I put this whole fear into the audience. And it was so interesting because within days, I mean, I'd say just less than a week, I'll put it that way. I got so many people who attended the conference reaching out to me because they were concerned, they were in the process of redesigning their site and they didn't want to lose those potential customers and they wanted to know what they needed to do. And I remember at the time thinking to myself, what did I do? Why did I have so many people contacting me about this particular subject matter? And it's because I had framed that message as a loss. And that just leads to more about framing and how important it is. When you are creating a marketing message, whether it's an ad, so it could be a social media ad, it could be a paid organic ad, or let's say you're creating a page for your website, you're working on an email, it could be a TV commercial, it could be a radio spot, it could even be a proposal, a pitch that you're giving, really anything. Consider framing it as a potential loss versus a gain. For instance, Show not only the current discounted price, but the full price once the promotion is over. Even having a product pre-sale can work great with loss aversion. 
people don't want to lose that opportunity to have the product right away and before anyone else. Well, now we have our answer to the original question in today's episode. Someone would sign up for a service that they know they don't need or want, and that's because of the fear of loss. I'm still upset about losing my Kohl's cash. That feeling of missing the chance to be able to spend that cash is a lot stronger than the feeling I had when I received it. So now it's pretty clear that loss aversion is a big thing. Let's keep the conversation going. Visit the Persuasion and Business Forum at persuasionnextsteps.com. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform and follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Instagram.